<laughs> I think you Alien should... would have been a lot more fun if all the aliens were actually just super kawaii and adorable. I think that would have just made it scarier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the xenomorph would be great if you put little like anime eye stickers on both sides. Yeah, it's of got its little cat ears. On the side. <laughs> oh no, it's gonna kill me, and it's a weave. God damn it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I'm Blue and I'm joined by Red. Sup, I made raspberry syrup yesterday and I've gone mad with power adding it to all my mochas. Nice. And Indigo, how's it going, Indigo? Oh, you know, it's going. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, that bad. (laughs) (laughs) By by the time this, uh, this podcast episode is released, we will have been back from visiting VidCon uh, not as like presenters or anything. We're just kind of like going to see it. We didn't it have up. any panels. We didn't like perform. You didn't. You didn't <laughs> really miss us there. But like we, by the time this podcast episode will have come out, we will have been to VidCon. But as of this episode, yes. uh, as recording this episode, we haven't yet. No. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. <laughs> Don't worry, fam. Uh, yeah. I'm also not going to be at VidCon, I'm, or ha- will not have been at VidCon. I will be chilling at home in my pajamas because, yeah, California kind of wigs me out. I'm not going to lie. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, the two videos that we'll be discussing, one of them has come out. The other one at the time of recording has not come out, mm, but uh, Red, you have seen it. Soon. So, yes, yeah, I have. Yes. Uh, we, we, can, we can do weird time stuff. But uh, your video was Space Horror, yeah. which was... All kinds of fun. <laughs> oh, I had such a blast with that one. It was an absolute party, and I loved it because when I sent you the script, you were like, um, well, it's good, but, uh... Unfortunately, it's good. <laughs> yeah, should you should we, like, put, like, a like a, like a a trigger warning on it? And I was like, what do you mean? It's just about space. And you're like, yeah, um... <laughs> so, after about five minutes, we got to the point where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is actually some pretty heavy freaky stuff i guess um yeah and it's like you never know for some people it's like oh it's just it's just space and for some people it's like oh god this is the worst thing and for me it's like i i'm not afraid of of space normally but like reading the script it's like yeah (laughs) no i i get it and i even messaged red to say like watching the video i i was watching it on double speed um because i i guess i wanted it on on like difficult mode uh watching the video on double speed is really like not that bad as, as as a viewing experience compared to reading the script where you have to under your own power make your eyes move further along on the page otherwise you are stuck claustrophobically locked in the room with that sentence until you finish it only to move on to the next one which is not any better no it makes you the instrument of your own torment i hadn't yeah. even thought of that yeah so really like if you want the full experience of that video print out the captions and just read them yeah yeah well i had a great time i love talking about how space is terrifying because it doesn't uh personally hurt me and i enjoy inflicting things on other people that i myself could not experience um and uh, it was it was really fun. I loved exploring the different facets of space horror. It gave me a reason to uh, look up various old classics of space horror yeah. that I hadn't experienced before. This is why I watched Alien and Aliens uh, and why I requested it for the second Movie Struck episode I was on, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's also why I, I, don't, I don't think I rewatched Event Horizon for this, but uh, I definitely like revisited the basic premise to, you know, I got to use the classic clip where he's like, here's how a wormhole works. Let me just fold this paper in half and spin 
stick a pencil through the thing that everybody did afterwards. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I was like, wait, didn't Interstellar invent that gimmick? No, no. <laughs> no. Interstellar no. wishes it had what Event Horizon had. Yeah. Oh, honestly, going through a space portal and winding up in actual hell <laughs> is way more interesting than that bookshelf dimension bullshit. <laughs> no one tried to pull on us. <laughs> oh, we are just whip it out the dunks this episode but yeah no uh, Event Horizon I remember we had some confusion about this because you were like is Event Horizon a good movie and I was like no absolutely not you're like okay I'm confused because you keep talking about it and I'm like no no it's a great movie it's really fun but it's really bad don't watch it you're like what um so no yeah, it's a I party I reading the script I'm like oh yeah like this is an interesting concept you can do a lot with this and then <laughs> I'm apparently like, no, it's, it's dumb just, as fuck <laughs> just cheesy and dumb yeah so it's like oh they go to it be. it's it's unfortunately it's got the same problem that a lot of horror movies have which is once the reveal is blown they don't have the tension building anymore so it's just kind of like oh I wonder if the spooky horrible thing is gonna happen you know um like an alien it's like when you don't know what's coming well I mean when you allegedly don't know what's coming it's really, really weird and disorienting. And when you do know what's coming, it's like, oh, God, when's it going to start murking people? And then yeah. it starts murking people, and you're like, all right, okay, cool, That'd fine. Be cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, they should have done an Event Horizon, and again, I have not seen this movie, so they should have just committed that once they wind up in hell, it just turns into the plot of Doom. They just go Doom slaying. <laughs> they should have done that. <laughs> that would have been fun. The, uh, to, to clarify, the, the cast that we follow do not go to hell. The ship... That they are that they go on the event horizon uh, was an experimental vessel with an experimental like wormhole piece of tech, and they activated it, and the ship disappeared, and then it shows up years later, floating in space, and they're like, oh, maybe the crew is alive. Let's go send a rescue mission. What could go wrong? And they approach the ship, and they're like, hmm, our life sensors are going absolutely crazy. It's like the ship itself is alive. And I was like, red flag, get out of there. Um, <laughs> the great, the the best thing about this movie. Uh, is that Lawrence Fishburne plays the captain of the ship that goes to... And Lawrence Fishburne is an absolute joy, but also he's just, like, he's genre-savvy enough that the minute things start getting hinky, he's like, absolutely not. We're getting out of here right now. And, um, <laughs> so th there's a bit where they're just, like, they're watching the surveillance footage that they've managed to recover from the other ship, and everyone's, like, covered in blood and screaming and chanting in Latin, and he's just like... We're leaving. And then he goes, <laughs> and they, they would have if other shit hadn't happened. So yeah. it's a great movie. Terrible. Not at all recommended. Super fun. But uh, in terms of space horror, it's very indicative of a lot of it. And uh, in my head, it's a stealth prequel to Warhammer 40K because its yeah, mechanics are that. almost identical to <laughs> warp travel in 40K, uh, yeah. up to and including... Yeah, you know, we do have to dip through literal actual hell, but it's so much more efficient than sub-light speed travel. I mean, you know, with Empire this big, so. I think this video really, really goes to explaining the enduring appeal of uh, Among Us. It's completely straight face, I say this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Among because Us is just yes, the thing. I am memeing. Yes, I am <laughs> shitposting. But actually, though, the matching of being on a spaceship and someone's trying to kill you is a really nice elevation of the main, like, twist and, and gimmick from, like, It Came From Outer Space, where it's on, like, the Arctic base, where That's it's a the lot. the thing, but yes. The thing, what am I thinking of? It Came well, From Outer I think the That's thing is there, there was a... My dad talks a... about these movies all the time and they kind of blend together for me, but the, the one in the Arctic base That's is elevated thing. by being a space thing. I actually <laughs> think that there was like a novel called something like The Thing from Outer Space and there was a movie adaptation of it and then there was also the thing, which is kind of a boiled down version. In the original one, there were a, there were way more people on the base. Uh, the paranoia kind of got a lot farther, and the monster was like a plant thing. 
So okay. this is a little scarier. I like it better. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, the uh, the horror of the thing is very interesting. And uh, I saw a few people in the comments bringing up uh, that space horror and ocean horror have a lot in common. Um, the one key difference I would say is that in the ocean, there is only so far away you can be from land at any given time. Like it can, yeah. you can still be far enough away that you're screwed, but like it's not quite the same level of just sheer isolation that no, not at all. proper space has. Yeah. Um, and I saw a few other people bringing up things that they didn't remember were episodes of the Magnus Archives podcast. Um, <laughs> because, uh, the of course, the Magnus Archives uh, was entirely based on the premise of like there are these like 15 core fears and they're like these extra dimensional entities that sort of embody those fears and here are episodes that are about weird things that happen when those things sort of intrude into reality in different ways uh and one of those fears is the vast which is essentially the fear of like the infinite you know depth uh space the void all that stuff um and there's a lot of fun episodes about that including one called uh i think it's called personal space where it's like this guy gets like uh, contacted by this space organization that's like, hey, we're doing an experiment on what uh, isolation does <laughs> to people in space. So what do you want to do, bud? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. What could go wrong? I'd love to experience sensory deprivation in space. Uh, and uh, <laughs> while he's up there, everyone and everything around him disappears up to and including the Earth through the viewfinder, uh, like through the porthole. So it's just like empty space. It's just him alone in this vessel. Um, and when he eventually freaks out uh, and, well, you know, gets out, uh, it turns out everything is still there. Everything's fine. It just seems like he had a psychotic break five minutes in. Uh, but we know better. <laughs> so very spooky stuff. I actually really like those episodes because you may or may not have guessed this does not bother me at all. This kind of fear, I don't get in the slightest. So all those episodes, I'm like, ah, oh, day at the spa. So... <laughs> You can see why Blue had to be like, no, this, uh, <laughs> you should really put like a like a like a tagline on this one, you know, just to let people know what they're getting into. Uh, so much appreciated. I saw some and, comments being like, thanks yeah. a lot. And, and um, for what it's worth, the actual delivery of the disclaimer was very funny. So that in itself <laughs> became an enjoyable part of the video. Thanks. <laughs> I also liked how I immediately cut from there into probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. <laughs> Experts around the world agree humans look up sometimes. <laughs> Um, that intro paragraph was like opposite direction that tigers drop out of sometimes. <laughs> that was that was a fun intro. I don't know that what got into me. That intro kind of meandered, but in a very pleasant <laughs> oh, way. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was up with me when I was writing that, but I had a great time. So no, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a magical energy in that video because the sheer like like silliness of the construction of sentences in the intro paired with just the absolute insanity of the subject material. <laughs> Well, Wild. I mean, any excuse to talk about real actual space, a subject matter that I truly adore discussing. Um, but yes, that was my video that came out. And uh, at time of recording, your video is not out, but we have both seen it. Yeah, so, it's not out, but it is done. Uh, yeah. yeah, so and at, I, of course, I at time of video. release, uh, it has been out and people have been discussing it. So we're going to have to like cold read and like yeah, so infer. I'm just going to guess at what all the top 50 comments are and structure <laughs> my, my 10 minutes of discussion from here because I'm nothing, yes. not a slave to the prevailing yeah, memes that appear in the comments. Uh, yeah, so this, this video is about the, uh, the Mycenaean Greeks, the first Greek-speaking civilization uh, in history, the Minoans. Don't strictly count, because even though they are in what we call Greece, they did not speak Greek, and that's 
part of why we don't understand them at all. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, the Mycenaeans, uh, Mycenaeans, uh, I, I went with the choice to go full Greek pronunciation. Uh, uh, I wrote the script with C's, but I pronounced everything as K's, uh, and I pronounced Mycenae as Mikine, which is yes. uh, one of the modern Greek ways to pronounce it. Uh, if you want to use the classical pronunciation, you can you can do it other ways. I, eh, I, yeah. As long as people are consistent, that's all that matters, man. So, yeah. I, what do you uh, mean? I switched I, I'm sure between people... Circe and Kirke and, and felt yeah. nothing. So yeah. it's fine. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so aside from some, some weird pronunciations on, on the front end, uh, this was this was fun because I kind of got to bust out my, my conspiracy board, probably even more <laughs> so than with the Minotaur myth tying into the Minoans because the whole thing with the Mycenaean Greeks is like, okay, yeah, sure, they built palaces, they had these, you know, fancy tombs, and they had all this gold and stuff, okay, you know, sure. Uh, They wiped out the civilization on Crete, uh, and then invented the Minotaur myth, uh, not to cover their tracks, but basically to boast. (laughs) Uh, And then they destroyed uh, each other, Troy, and the entire Aegean world, uh, and almost Egypt, too, after the, uh, the Bronze Age, or in the Bronze Age collapse, and then that basically turned into the whole, like, epic cycle of the Trojan War, and doing the, the kind of mythological unpacking of, uh, you know, what happens when you strip out all of the mythological window dressing and what you're Mm -hmm. left with and how you can map that on, uh, is an interesting field of study because you get some scholars who are like, you can't take anything that's said in any story for for anything it's a story it's made up i mean archaeologists and historians didn't think troy was a place at all until it was discovered by schliemann (laughs) um so the other thing is like oh yes everything maps perfectly and we can think of all these things yeah okay we can't that's how you get those atlantis people (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. so um it's it was it's, it's it's a tough balance to strike because you know it's tempting to to read these stories and these like ancient myths and be like oh this is the coolest thing ever i would love for this to be real i'd love to Mm -hmm. go find so you know that's how you get the el dorado people that's how you get the um the atlantis people stuff like that uh and it is very tempting but like swinging back too far in the other direction it's like a lot of these stories did come from somewhere and like you know even if we do want to like discuss the atlantis thing it's like well the 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 scenario you've described with the mycenaean greeks kind of like imploding in this cataclysmic civil war uh, and then just sort of like demolishing their own civilization so bad that their language didn't even really survive and there's no written records. And then, you know, maybe when you get the, you know, the platonic dialogues later and they're like, oh, yes, a great magical kingdom, super strong, imploded for dumb reasons. Crazy how that works. It's like, you know, you don't want to read into it literally. You don't want to find mm-hmm. a real physical Atlantis. But it's like that narrative was probably on their mind for a reason and you know sometimes the reason is it's a great analogy sometimes the reason is we know that it happened at some you know uh the uh the minoan eruption that was another thing that possibly got tied into it like how does an island just disappear in a single night you forget to cherish it but anyway uh, a lot of lot of (laughs) a lot of weird stuff there but the fact that like the trojan war has a fossil record basically is just so cool it's so cool like yeah the fact that, it, oh, yeah, here's Troy. Nine layers. A burn layer around the right time. Nothing for a really long time. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. like the actual, like, the Trojan War, actual Trojan War? Actually, on the subject of the burn layer, one thing that um people uh, can easily brush over is that in the Iliad, there is mentioned a previous Trojan War, 
where Heracles and some of his buds roll up to Troy, kind of like poke around the neighboring towns, bap open the gates and steal some treasures and, and go home. They leave the city intact, but they they come and fight the Trojans, win a battle, yep. you know, take some stuff and leave. Uh, and this is this is mentioned at several points in, in the Iliad, kind of obliquely, uh, and it's easy to brush over if you don't realize they're talking about a previous Trojan War. But um, some of the other evidence for when the Trojan War could have happened points toward, like, 1250 to 1225-ish, that mm-hmm. kind of, like, quarter of a century, which is, you know, a generation before Burn Laird 1180, if we're taking Burn Laird 1180 as being the, the Trojan War of legend. Right. Um, but there are other instances in, in various parts of the record where kings of Ahiawa... Hittite word for Greek, right. under the uh, under the command of Ataresia, Atreus, took oh. chariot parties over into mainland Anatolia and raided around for a little bit, bapping some cities before before going home. No major sacks, but there there are records in Hittite tablets of campaigns from Mycenaean Greeks described as Ahiawa. Um, Achaeans, right. uh, with the name of the right king, uh, granted, you know, earlier, uh, going around to Troy in a generation before there was the burn layers. So even this, again, not one-to-one, not one-to-one right. at all, but even this could have been some version of the inspiration for this myth of like, oh yeah, there was this kind of like earlier like mini Trojan War. It was like kind of a Trojan slap fight, uh, if anything. Um, but like Troy being like burned and got placed at 1, uh, 1180 BC before, uh, like two years before Ramses has to deal with uh, with Equesh and Denya and the Achaeans and, and Denians yeah. uh, coming down. It's it's wild. Um, and it, it's not to say that it's all one-to-one, but it's a clear case of the, the Greeks taking a historical memory and not having any reason to try and construct an accurate historical record they didn't give a shit they they no, weren't they weren't in the business of history they were forging an identity and they they took these stories they're like okay what do we remember about this fight what do we remember about this whole thing what can we build out of that and then you take that and embellish it and play with it and and play up these characters and then you get this whole big thing that points back to this historical reality, but is so much more than just a dramatization of real things because it takes on the life of its own with all this embellishment. Yet, there's still all these little bits that that point to real things, the succession crises, the kings who all died, all these cities getting destroyed at about the same time. Yeah. It's and wild. I mean, there, there's a couple <laughs> things about that. I mean, obviously, my perspective on the Trojan War is a little more focused on the god side of things, which is very interesting. Uh, and there's the fact of, like, who's on the Trojan side versus who's on the mm-hmm. Achaean side. Like, almost all the gods that are on the Trojan side, you got Aphrodite, you got Apollo and Artemis, you got... Uh, no, not whatever. The ones that are interesting to me are Aphrodite, Apollo, and Artemis because those are the gods who we don't really have almost anything in Linear B about. With Artemis and Apollo, there's like no Apollo and there's one that might be Artemis, maybe. But there's no evidence that they were in the form that they were in later by the time of the Trojan, uh, uh, in Mycenaean records. Uh, that, that The idea that they were twins and the idea that they were like super, super important, none of that. So what it looks like is there were all these gods that were newer additions to the Pantheon being written as 
enemies, sort of, or at least more sympathetic with the enemies before Troy falls. Like, they're all one big family, you know, they're all doing all that stuff. But Aphrodite, Phoenician import, basically, Artemis and Apollo, possibly Minoan in origin, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're really strong and powerful, but we're kind of with the bad guys on this before they get (laughs) stomped, and then we're all like, oh, let's let's all go home and be fine and stop fighting each other. Um, And the one other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that uh, in the myths around the Trojan War, there's one I ran into where Zeus orchestrates it to solve overpopulation. (laughs) He didn't like how crowded it was getting, so he decided to orchestrate a massive war where all the great hero kings died. And that feels like the kind of thing that you write in later when you know that your country tore itself apart in a cataclysmic civil war where all the great heroes and legends and families died out and self-destructed. And then you write all these tragedies about, oh, Oedipus, the Oresteia, all these great lines that self-destructed because they were cursed by the gods for their hubris because Zeus was like, too many heroes, get them out of here. Poseidon, get the boat. Well, it's just Um, interesting. It feels like they wrote this from the perspective of there was an age of great heroes and that age is over. Yeah, no, absolutely. It feels like that was real. That's said deliberately in Hesiod, and we'll get to that in History Makers eventually. (laughs) Um, There's plenty more to unpack with that, and uh, I'll No, really? 500 Uh, (laughs) years of history in an incredibly (laughs) dense part of the Mediterranean? More to discuss than one 10 minute video? (laughs) I'm Uh, never going to be done with Greece. You're never going to get me to stop you guys. Uh, But uh, in the meantime, uh, we have. Uh, jumping uh, to the other side of uh, Afro-Eurasia, uh, we have some some Journey to the West news indirectly. We've got the Song Well, don't Wukong. bring their hopes up, man. <laughs> it's just the vinyl toy. I said indirectly. <laughs> I'm still working on it. It's going to happen. But yeah. No, I mean, um, the, yeah. The, the toy. The yes, toy. the toy. <laughs> but leading with, we got some Journey to the West news. I mean, come on. <laughs> Those poor guys. Uh, I mean, after the Minecraft thing, nothing nothing shakes me. I mean, after we did that, where we did the fake episode that was actually the Minecraft April Fool's Day. I'm amazed Fool's we Day, survived like... the year. Uh, but yes, uh, so the, the gist is that if you ordered, uh, if you pre-ordered a vinyl toy, a Sun Wukong vinyl toy sitting on the cloud when we were running the Kickstarter for that earlier in the year, they are in production right now. Uh, we've been talking to the, uh, the Doomco Designs that are making the toys, and they're working on it, and it'll be very cool. And also, once they get shipped out, there's going to be just more of them just available on his shop. So mm-hmm. if you missed it and you want to get more, we're going to have more interesting colorways available later. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, gears are turning and it's very yeah. exciting. Because once the the most difficult part of making 3D toys um, is, is making the molds and getting the actual production process down. But once you have that, you just fill the mold with fun <laughs> colors of vinyl and you're, you're kind of off to the races. So the yeah. hardest part is getting it set up and then you can just kind of like you know, spin the lever and, and watch it go, uh, mm-hmm. spin the crank. That's that's the right word. <laughs> Levers usually lever. only go one way or another. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 an interesting change of pace from working on the pins, which is completely 2D. It's very easy. You can just do printing and it's like, okay, you're good. Uh, but it's, well, I mean, it's, it's fun. easy for us to say that it's easy. All <laughs> well, I do I mean, is draw them and is, ship them up. It is one fewer dimension to deal with and thus uh, uh, has uh, less inherent structural complexity. But uh, before I talk myself completely into a hole, uh, yes, um, Wukong vinyl toys are uh, on the way for those of you who ordered them, and you'll be able to order uh, new ones um, soon. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll announce when that's ready. And uh, aside from uh, that, and uh, again, you know, we were at VidCon. We'll we'll talk about that in in next week's episode. (laughs) We'll we'll debrief some any fun stories that we... (laughs) 
we might have had. Uh, I think we're ready to jump on into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Uh, <laughs> I made an error last episode, as a few of you were kind enough to point out, uh, and forgot to do the lightning round. So we're going to do a makeup session here real quick. As a reminder, the lightning round is where we rapid fire go through some pieces of media, books, movies, games, TikToks, etc. that you guys want to know if we've seen. We have a TikTok in this week's list. Uh, and oh, we'll no. just really quickly tell you if we've seen it or not. Um, and usually what ends up happening is that if anyone has seen it, they say that whether or not they like it and sometimes go on and then we got to rein it back in. But we'll see <laughs> how it goes this week. Uh, so not naming any names, of course. <laughs> not naming any names. Uh, to kick us off, we've got Legends and Lattes, the book. No. Nope. Cool, cool, cool. Good <laughs> start. Nice. Uh, next up, the TikTok series S and D tier villains, which I think my for you page has tried to serve me, and I have not actually watched. I, uh, no. TikTok scares me on principle, so no. <laughs> I see some of the TikToks that get transplanted to Tumblr, uh, and only the ones that make it through Tumblr's uh, extensive vetting process make it through. So, my standards, nice. you could say, are quite high. Uh, Curious George. The monkey. Uh, I, the monkey? I mean, I guess <laughs> when I was like your... five, but it's yeah, been a minute. <laughs> I know about him. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Yes, I love Mortal Kombat. I also know about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't played any of the games, but I uh, really loved that that Smosh video from, from early YouTube. Uh, one where they sing the song and like do the thing. Yeah, some some great early YouTube content. Moral Never played the games God. though. I love. That. I watched the. Uh, I watched the nineties movie. One. Yeah, I watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course I did. I didn't watch the newer one because I heard it was bad, but I did watch it that was. one. Uh, All I wanted from the Mortal Kombat movie was for them to yell Mortal Kombat and play the theme song really loud, and they didn't have the rights to it, so they couldn't. And I was like, well, what's oh, the point no. then? Indigo, I believe that you once used, like, your data to show me a video while we were in the car going somewhere (laughs) that was the Mortal Kombat theme with additions from, who was it? A a metal band used Cameo to pay Gilbert Gottfried to read the names of the Mortal Kombat characters, and he calls Scorpio, or Scorpion Scorpio in it. So you just get like, Scorpio! <laughs> and it's really funny. Uh, if you just Google Gilbert Gottfried Mortal Kombat, it's the first thing that pops up. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're all very fondly acquainted with it, but I don't think a single one of us has played the games. I played the games as a kid, but I don't keep current oh, with it. Cool. Um, George's Secret Key to the Universe. I think it's a book. No, sorry. How is this different from Curious George? Also, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel's Agents of Shields. Agent oh, of Shield. God. Jesus Christ. I mean, there are multiple of them. <laughs> Isn't it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yes. Not yeah, Agents of yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D.s. I mean, no, I watched, it's funnier like... if they each have a tiny little shield. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I stuck with it for a few seasons, I think, until it became clear that while it had to follow the movies canon, the movies didn't have to do that to, for them, so the continuity got irrevocably snarled, and it was bad. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Horrible no histories. Okay. Oh, I People keep seeing keep it recommended. About this, yeah. uh, but no, I haven't. It's it's a podcast, right? Uh, it's like a video series or something. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, sorry. It, it's like in our orbit, but I haven't. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, as anyway. a rule, I I usually don't consume other history contents unless 
I choose to make an exception for it or it's far enough outside of the realm of what we do. Like, like I love watching Tasting History because it's like food and history. It's not like the kinds of topics that I'd cover, but right. other people who are like, check out this fun, cool history, even if it's great content, I try yeah. not to watch it because I don't want to just copy other people. It's just a little, yeah, it's, you know, you worry that it'll just get in your head and you're like, all right, yeah. well, that's the right way to do it. And it's like, no. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same reason I don't listen to a lot of movie podcasts, because I don't <laughs> want to use someone else's opinion and parrot it back as my own by mistake. Uh, yeah. MASH, the TV show, you know, all them it's kind of crazy. before our time, I think. I mean, if I was my grandfather, <laughs> I yeah. watched MASH. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Big uh, shout out to Nikolaos, uh, not <laughs> listening in Athens right now, because uh, his English is not quite that good, but he loves MASH. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's solid. It's a, It's a fun show. Of the like older sitcomy, it's not quite a sitcom, but like of that variety. Big uh, ups to my papu who fucking adores <laughs> Mash. <laughs> I think Aww. my grandfather also really likes Mash. It's a very grandpa show. Um, Sonic Two, the movie. Uh, Red, this one's for you. <gasps> yes, it's so good. I'm so happy. I want all the rest of the Sonic movies to happen. The Sonic I, movies. I couldn't care only less. bangers so far. <laughs> Only bad people were like, haha, the first Sonic movie, it's like good, but in like a bad way. And I'm like, you're cowards. You just won't admit that it's good in a good way. And then Sonic 2 came out and they were like, oh, fuck, am I going to have to reassess my personal biases? It's like, look, there hasn't been a good Sonic game since like 1978 and we all know it. But the movies, only winners so far. Let yourselves have this, Sonic fans. Look, when they gave us fucking... uh, Spoiler alert. As... as, No, no, I mean, as that one character. As Shadow the Hedgehog, we all knew had to come in eventually. (laughs) Based on the fact that they had the absolute balls to cast Idris Elba as Knuckles, the casting for Shadow can only be great. So I, for one, am thrilled to see where the scene... No, (laughs) No, absolutely not. not. If you want someone with a black and red color scheme, I'm available. (laughs) (laughs) Cast Red as Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, Is it Sony? (laughs) I don't remember. Uh, Dante's Inferno, not the book, a video game named. Oh, oh fuck no. off! No, <laughs> no, I've heard only bad things about it. Uh, the Ace Attorney series. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I haven't played them, but I, I know. Objection. I, <laughs> yeah, I know the memes. I know the bot that auto generates Ace Attorney conversations yeah, from Twitter yeah. threads. Uh, and I, I, I know that the main characters are very definitely gay. So oh, 100%. that's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been struggling through the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, um, fifty hours of tutorial in an attempt to make the game that I paid for actually worth it. Uh, but the original <laughs> game is really fun. So is <laughs> that um, woof? John Jew's Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. Uh no. Sounds no. cool though. Sounds cool. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh and last one for this round, Lego Monkey Kid. Oh my god, I'm gonna, I swear, I've mentioned this before. We got an email from one of the guys who yeah. worked on it, like when the show came out and was like, Hey, just wanted to let you know, we definitely watched some of your Journey to the West videos to prepare for that. And I was like, ah! So, like, I, I need to, but it, it's like we were talking about with the history stuff about, like, it feels, like, weird to look at another adaptation of a thing that I'm also adapting in, you know, my own way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to I don't want to end up, like, grabbing any of their designs or their ideas. Like, I've seen some of them, and they look great. The show looks incredible. It's, it's 2D animation that's really leaning into, like, what the medium can do. And it's Lego, of all things. Like, Lego's been going really hard in the animation department lately. 
Um, Lego Media is fantastic because yeah. it takes the things that are great about a thing and just lets them be great. And it takes the things that are dumb about a thing <laughs> and makes that into jokes yep. and therefore becomes great. So like with L the Lego Star Wars games, like the parts that are good are still good and the parts that are dumb as shit become <laughs> intentionally hilarious yeah i mean it I've, is perfect <laughs> i've heard only good things about the show the bits of it i've seen look incredible they got sean Schemmel to voice the monkey king aka the voice of goku which is like the that only casting they could have possibly yeah. done let's be real uh yeah. it just it looks incredibly good and if i weren't also summarizing journey to the west i'd already have watched the whole thing twice over it's the just eternal... i've got there's like there's a wall there <laughs> <laughs> the eternal conundrum of the creator and not wanting to consume the same kind of content you create. But that concludes this episode of the lightning round. It will return. Yeah, it's regularly scheduled next episode. So like four episodes from now or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the big 5-0. Whoops, missed it last time. Here you go. Here's a makeup. Um, yeah. We got to return to our regularly scheduled programming with a first question that comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to Ooh. support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to be read first in a future episode. And before we get into the patron question, a little PSA from Indigo's Corner. There's a clock somewhere in this house that I'm recording in, which is not my usual house. <laughs> that I, I can't I haven't been able to find it I've been here for like three days no idea where the clock is and it goes off every 15 minutes but it's offset a little slightly so if you hear it in the background just know that I am frantically searching for where it is and I too <laughs> hear the clock and don't want to be hearing it um but anyway this first question comes from Maltese Geek to Red how do you make the alien pods in your video look adorable in your art style how oh. did you make those little pods so cute <laughs> well, the trick is I drew a little kitty face on him, and then I called it a day. <laughs> this was a <laughs> this was a thing I did in college too. I would draw little kitty faces on post-it notes, and I would stick them on appliances around my dorm. <laughs> Just nice. put them on my kettle and my mini fridge. Blue's yeah, nodding. I, I think you. I noticed. think I remember seeing the yeah. kettle with the little cat face on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just—it's really cute. You know, you can't go wrong with the little the, the woo face and the little dot eyes. Uh, and it's so funny because somebody actually pointed this out on uh, on the comic Tumblr. They sent me an ask like, "Oh, I love those little little." Cute little egg things and i was like yes very harmless come closer ubu face and like all the replies are like they're so cute i love them and i'm like oh my god have none of you watched alien <laughs> that's the whole joke <laughs> so the endless yeah now struggle. i feel bad for misleading people <laughs> i think you alien should... would have been a lot more fun if all the aliens were actually just super kawaii and adorable i think that would have just made it scarier <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the xenomorph would be great if you put little like anime eye stickers on both sides. Yeah, it's of got its little cat ears. Protracted. On the side. <laughs> oh no, it's gonna kill me, and it's a weed. God damn it! <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, on the anyway. flip side, xenomorph, but it's got the Ayagao sweater thingy, and uh, oh no, <laughs> no, no! I think it would make it worse. I think that would make it so much worse. But you know, How the xenomorph many times would wear it. Are we gonna relay the story of when we were at C two E two and we saw one person wearing that disgusting sweater? <laughs> And then he stood up and there were four more behind him with the same fucking sweater. Every time we looked back, there were more of them. I swear they were reproducing when we weren't looking. Not with any other humans. Not with those sweaters. <laughs> They're cloning. Uh, so this next question oh. comes from Isquone. Did I say who the last question was from when I read yeah, it? Yeah, you did. Maltese Geek. Geek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good I name, recently I moved the questions over to a new format and I moved where people's names are in, in relation to their questions. So I was I had a moment of like, did I have I made a mistake somehow? But no, it's good yeah, to know I that was, I'm infallible. Uh, I, I was hanging out with, with Indigo on Discord uh, a few days ago on Friday and she was like, yeah, I'm just kind of uh, 
creating a giant spreadsheet of the like actual hundreds of questions that we've yes. gotten over the years. Oh, Thanks for asking. <laughs> I promise we'll get to them eventually. Uh, <laughs> this question comes from Miskoya Shalom Mario. It's in parentheses. Anyway, to blue, favorite philosopher slash philosophical text. Um, this is two different things. Uh, my favorite <laughs> philosophical text is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics because, like, it is just so good. If there was only one book about how to be a good person and how to live life and how to actually prioritize the things that are important the Nicomachean ethics like it has you set it's about how to do the right thing in difficult situations and trying to you know it, virtue ethics like don't do too little of a thing don't do too much of a thing find the mean and you know use your your skills and your emotions in the correct way to achieve good things and not not be guided by you know your like evil like you know uh, id, uh, impulsive brain and not be so like cerebral and overthinking that you just, you, you become useless. Uh, it's about the prioritization of friendship, uh, and you know, what kinds of interactions give our lives meaning. It's really good. I don't like any of the rest of Aristotle though. And that's the unfortunate <laughs> thing. As far as like one philosopher, like Plato fucking rules it's so easy to be like okay yeah you know plato whatever but like no no you don't get it plato is so good the idea of taking philosophical discussion and specifically choosing to present it in a dialogue format allows you to have multiple perspectives competing with each other neither of which has to be fully right usually it's like oh you know socrates is the one who's like knocking these people down and poking holes in their logic and then sometimes people are like oh yeah wise guy why don't you posit something and then socrates does and he's usually also wrong Wrong, which leaves it up to the reader to read between the lines and understand how the arguments have been going and try to piece it together for themselves. It's some of the only form of philosophy writing that actually invites the reader to think about it rather than just being like, here you go. Yeah. Take my perfect thoughts that I scribbled down in the bath for they <laughs> constitute the unwritten laws of nature, uh, <laughs> immutable and inscrutable, uh, where it's like, no, this is this is a discussion. People are positing ideas and and workshopping them and bapping them around and thinking, okay, actually, you know, that one didn't work. And it's it is the dialogue format that is such a strength of Plato's writing. And we are lucky enough to have a lot of his dialogues. Yeah. And they're all really good. Uh, I'm gonna do a nice. history makers on Plato eventually, but the the five dialogues, the the series, and eh, technically four, um, of the Euthyphro, Apology, Credo, and Phaedo, which are the the four dialogues of like Socrates trial and death are so good and actually so full of pathos and character for being philosophy texts, it's insane. Plato rules. I also like how he's <laughs> shredded, which is pretty cool. Yes, very funny to imagine. Platon was shredded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, this next Plato question slaps. comes from Bo L. Too red. I hope this isn't too personal, but I'm a trans woman. Is it all right with you if I link my speech language pathologist to your videos to help establish vocal goals? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's actually, you know, this is actually not the first time I've heard that. I think it's just because, <laughs> like, I, I'm i a contralto, you know? I, my voice used to be higher, and it got lower when I went through puberty, and I like it. I like how it sounds, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I can hit, like, a lower register than uh, a lot of women I know, and I 
can't hit a lot of higher notes that a lot of women I know can hit. And some male singers, which is a little embarrassing for me. <laughs> but, uh, nah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, trans women's vocal training, and it's, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with being a little husky. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, feel free. And uh, I'm very flattered. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. uh, this next question comes from Sienna. To Blue and Indigo, have you read all slash most of Aurora? And if so, who is your favorite oh, character and why? Thanks to oh, Red I for creating such an amazing, dynamic powerhouse crew. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I've read all of Aurora. It's great. <clears throat> Good job. Yeah. You have? Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I like to read my friend's stuff. You gotta be a supportive bro. And also, it's a good comic, so why not? Uh, oh, no, no, God, Blue. the validation. Are you... <laughs> I, I have uh, read up through... Uh, the tree in chapter four. Um, mm. And then I think I got up to where the comic was. And then I'm like, oh, no, I, I can't. I can't do weekly things. I, I lose the thread so easily. <laughs> yeah. So I'm essentially I'm waiting until arc one is finished. There are a couple times where I almost jumped in and I'm like, no, but then I'm going to get to like, like the end of chapter eight. And I'm going to be like, all right, fuck now what? Um, so I, I really had a blast with with the first chapters and the introduction between um uh, between Kendall and uh, Alinua. Is that how it's pronounced? It's yeah, text, so I have yeah, no you idea. got okay. it. Um, <laughs> We're going to say all of their uh, names out loud, and Red has to give us the pronunciations <laughs> for every single one. <laughs> Pain, Failed. suffering even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but uh, no, the way that they, they are introduced and, and start interacting is really, really cool, and as someone who uh, has a very... Uh, 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 tenuous grasp on writing characters. I, I found the dynamics very interesting and very human. Um, and from what I can glean uh, with my inability to read critically and get world building from context <laughs> clues, uh, I find the setting very cool. Uh, yeah. I like that uh, gods are just the manifestation of belief. That's cool as fuck. Aww, uh, I, I really like that conceptually. <laughs> Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I super dig it. Uh, I just need to you... wait until I can read it all in one chunk. Otherwise I'm going to get partway through and then get stuck and fall off the wagon. And then it's like, I'm going to get back to it. And I'm like, okay, what just, what just happened? And then I go back and then I'm going to be like every chapter, like I'll have read chapter one. 12 times by the time chapter 12 comes out. I'll have read chapter mm. 2 11 <laughs> times by the time chapter 12 comes out. And I'm like, this is not, this is not the way to, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to wait until Do it's you... all together. Then I'm going to read it. I'm going to have a blast. Yeah. Well, Do you have we'll a favorite character? Because that's what the question was asking. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, so far I've seen two. Uh, yeah, chapter four <laughs> means you haven't even met the third one yet. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> The funny I, uh, thing is, like, I can't tell you, like, get into it right now because the last three chapters have been basically a cliffhanger on every single page. <laughs> so. From from what I have seen of the rest of the comic, from what Red has shown me, and also from the spoilers that I've been getting, <laughs> 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 suck at everybody else. Uh, uh, I I've been really enjoying uh, uh, what I've seen uh, of of Aaron's character throughout the whole process, like from the introduction and the tattoos and yeah. the the process of like drawing a, a, a sleeve PDF so that you can just like map that on whenever you need it. it was it's a life. Cool, yeah. so, uh, yeah. I also I, I like really Aaron like Aaron Aaron's because great. I like academics who make poor choices. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen Rolling with Difficulty at all, you'll understand this choice, I think, pretty well. Uh, but yeah. all the characters are neat. Uh, I like Faust a lot, too, but who, does, who doesn't like a little... I know, right? I mean, yeah. like, when you were well, like, oh, I love asshole Lancers, I was like, me too, so much that I've written like five of them. <laughs> yeah, you, Oops All Lancers is a, is a time-honored tradition, but... Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go read Aurora if you haven't. It's linked in the show notes. Uh, this next oh, question God. comes from Bird Nerd to all mangoes. Ooh. Question mark. 
Do you like I do mangos? like me a mango. I like maybe yeah. mango. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mango's like great mangoes. with uh, great with sticky rice. Yep. Uh Ew. great with with Thai curries. Just generally like Thai food. Great. Can never go wrong. Add mangoes and you've pretty much got a winner. Um, yeah. yeah. Mango is one of the only sure. fruits that it never fails for me. It's like, you know, a lot yeah. of other fruits like it can be a little bit mushy and then I don't like it or like it gets a little old and it's weird, but I I've like never met a mango I didn't like. I have a lot of dried mangoes as a snack. I always that's like mm. a go-to yeah. editing snack for me. Although the problem is they're expensive, so then you run into the problem of like, yeah. well now I can't fund my mango habit. And I built this mango <laughs> habit when I was in Shanghai and mangoes were not as expensive. And now I'm back oh, in yeah. the United States and mangoes are expensive again. And it's a whole, I have had this reckoning with the lack of affordable fruit every single day <laughs> since I returned. Oh um, God. The man- mangoes. I, I don't understand dried the mangoes. Crew. Like, like yeah. dr- dried fruits. German- it's like for me, the, the juice part of the fruit is the whole point. Like, you know, it, it's thirst quenching and a meal, <laughs> but like you know, I think dehydrated. It depends on the context. Like, well, that was sad. Because mm-hmm. I like I like a good fresh mango. Like I like a, a not dehydrated mango on occasion as well. But I feel like when I'm snacking, I want something like that I gotta work for a little bit. And the dried mango <laughs> is chewier. So, and, but you still get the mango flavor, and they tend to be sourer, which I like. Mm. So if I'm sitting in front of my computer editing and I can also drink water simultaneously, not really an issue, but I do get the, I don't like a lot of other dried fruits. So I get where you're coming from on that one. I'm I'm not much of a dried fruit person. Um, I I know that it can sometimes be like a more intense flavor than the actual thing. I I don't know why, but I've I've, I've noticed that sometimes. Hmm. Um, But yeah, no, uh, mango's good. It's it's great as a flavoring in things. uh, And it's great just as a mango. This is more of an <laughs> answer is... than I think this question needed. <laughs> this has been OSP's Mango Corner. Now on to the next question. This comes from Snarky Wallflower. To all, what's the most badass line you ever heard in a piece of media? Oh. Oh, no. I I wish I'd been... I used to have, like, a file where I kept these because I wanted to say oh, all of them in real life. <laughs> I have a mental list of... I, I use a lot of them as Instagram captions because I think it's funny. Uh, of course. Which is why one of uh, the rawest lines ever said is, of course, from Spy Kids 2 when Steve Buscemi <laughs> said to the camera, do you, do think, you think God, God stays God's in heaven? Because he, too, lives in fear of what he created. That is so <laughs> fucking raw. And it is in Spy Kids 2. Um, my other I can't answer believe to this it wasn't. You call that a nonja? <laughs> I, you call it a nonja's up there, but I wouldn't describe it as right. like the most badass More line like of all time. Nonja, so that would be yeah. get that weak yeah. shit off my track, which is from the same movie, Speed Racer 2008. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe that that was the real caption because I only ever saw it on GIFs, but then I that was is like, a movie no. for children. <laughs> they get one. They get one they get per one. movie. They get one and they used it perfectly. No, no. I guess. Um, like the where would you put one fuck in the Star in the, Wars prequel? Yeah. <laughs> or like in the Lord of the and Rings. the correct answer is where Mace Windu's like, take a seat, motherfucker. <laughs> a fucking Sith Lord? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be Sam Jackson. Like nobody else deserves. Oh no, it, it has oh, to go yeah. to Sam. Ja- the question is 100%. just where within his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what are what are some lines? Because I have one more answer to this question, but I'll wait till the end yeah. for it. So what? what Call uh, an ambulance, but not for me. Um, Oh, classic. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah. The, the, of course, the one thing that I was watching some of the OSP animateds recently, and the one that springs to mind is something I said. Not to of say course. that I'm the most badass person ever, but only because I remember a thing that I said that I watched recently, which was, uh, oh, hey, it's a bandit and a Mongol fighting. 
don't worry, worry. you'll both both lose. lose. (laughs) Which is definitely (laughs) one of the coolest things I've ever said. Yeah, yeah, it deserves to be Of course, it is juxtaposed to about, like, 30 clips of me getting my (laughs) shit rocked. So I I, I don't get too high up on my my own uh, pedestal there. Oh, man, there's so many good options. Um, Yeah, I I was, there's a Fire Emblem Three Hopes comes out recently, and I don't particularly like the gameplay of it, so I'm kind of on the, I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan, but I think this might be the first game I don't play in the series, but in Three Houses, one of the rawest lines I've ever heard is from one of the most irritating characters in the game and I love him so much. The like womanizer character, Sylvain, mm-hmm. his like Classic. critical hit uh, insta-kill phrase is burn until we meet again as though they're going to meet again in hell and that is so fucking raw and also that That's character good. has no business saying something that fucking cool because he is <laughs> dunked on throughout the rest of the game. <laughs> the this is up there with, uh, if you've played Breath of the Wild and Age of Calamity, mm. um, in Age of Calamity, Ravala gets his own additional theme that they wrote just for him. None of the other champions got new theme musics, but Ravali has, um, <laughs> it's called like Ace Archer and Aviator or something, and it is such a banger track that Ravali does not <laughs> deserve to have. Ah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking yeah. one up, because I one of the ones that I liked is also a Fire Emblem one, which is... A- uh, uh, it's pick a god not and a pray. Holy, oh, pick a god and pray. So good. <laughs> yeah. There's also where I not a holy woman, I would beat you senseless, which is just a great line. It's never been. I don't think it's been voiced because it was in Sacred Stones. Yeah. But that's a, Fire Emblem has some bangers every once in a while. And there's another one. Uh, some questionable yeah. ones. <laughs> well, I gotta rep. I gotta rep my boy Ike, my my Smash main. True. The only exposure I have to Fire Emblem, except when I play as Marth sometimes. Uh, and I guess there's a bit where he's like fighting a god and says, "Make pe- make your peace with whatever the gods worship." And that's my boy right there. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All these Fire I'm Emblem sure boys some, talking uh, so much shit. <laughs> Fire Emblem has some great, like, insta-kill, like, critical hit phrases, and then the rest of the writing in the games is so questionable. Uh, but then, like, Castlevania's probably got some good ones. I'm struggling to bring any to mind. Um, well, I, well, I mean, come on. Who can forget the sizzling delivery of, die, monster, you don't belong in this world? <laughs> Shortly followed by... Uh, destroy this flea who invades my castle. <laughs> Same dude. Watch, a man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If Richter doesn't sound like that in the Castlevania show that they're doing, I'm rioting. <laughs> I'm so excited for Nocturne. Holy fuck, I hope fuck, everyone you guys. else is giving the same level of vocal performance as we got in the first like series, and Richter is just like. Still, Richter. You steal <laughs> men's some... souls and make them your slaves. <laughs> There's some cool shit that Alucard said in the first series, but I can't conjure any of it to mind because it's been a while since I've watched it. But also just like Alucard is so cool in that show. <laughs> He's got a Ye- big coat and a sword that floats. <laughs> He's so awesome. <laughs> I gotta say, though, I feel like like there are some good lines, but it's almost diminished by how much everyone swears all the time. It's like... A really good yeah. banger line. You don't need to p- drop a fuck in there, you that's, know. And that's and, the yeah. thing that I think I've been I've been kind of co- I've been coalescing a thesis as we've been delivering all of these one-liners. It's like the coolest, oh, yeah? most badass lines are made better when they come from dumber sources because it makes them <laughs> sound even more badass compared to everything around them. Like there's a reason that like one of my favorite lines of all times comes from a Spy Kids movie and not like <laughs> one of the infinite actual action movies that I have watched and enjoyed. Yeah, but like, you know, who can forget such gems as things like, careful not to choke on your aspirations. (laughs) Well, Star Wars writing aside, (laughs) somehow Palpatine returned. Not a badass line, but still memorable. (laughs) Oh, God, poor Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac doing his very best uh, as something of a running theme. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can see he's like, all right, my character is just as bummed about this as I am, so I can just let it all flow for just a minute. Just I can be totally honest. Just somehow Palpatine is returned. Somehow Palpatine is uh, returned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like, well, like Lord of the Rings is like almost entirely banger lines. Like, yeah. come on. You know, everyone everyone quotes that it's shit. It's not that there like, aren't banger lines in actual, like, you know, banger media. It's Good source. Like, I feel like I notice them and remember them more when they come from a bad source. Because I'm like, wow, that yeah. line has no business being in this particular piece of media. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good things. Um, I, my brain just bounced over to Full Metal Alchemist because there's a lot of really good shit in there. But I there's one bit that I remember. It's it's like midway through where uh, oh god, how much context do I? I no, whatever. Someone yells, "Friends are a part of your soul," and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> but the context makes it even better, <laughs> and you'll all have to watch the show to find out what the fuck I'm talking about. If you haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist, was that in that was in Brotherhood, right? Or yeah, it's Brotherhood. Uh, it's yeah. it's Ling to Greed, Greedling, whatever. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We I didn't think this question would take us this long, but I'm glad it did because I think it was fun. So we have time for one last little question here before we Whoops. sign on out of this. So, Red, this is your five-minute warning. It's because we um, spent so much time on the mango question. Yeah, that's the mango yeah, question. The mango the question really went there on this one. <laughs> uh, this question comes from Tomato Cannot into draw okay uh to all favorite reference, kind but it's a of... little corrupted <laughs> <laughs> to all favorite kind of tea and or coffee Ooh, well so what favorite a coincidence tea and or coffee red you were talking earlier about how you made syrup yeah. so i feel like yeah. you might have a strong opinion in this particular regard well the thing is like it's difficult for me to motivate myself to cook food so i can eat it when i'm hungry but i never have any trouble motivating myself to make interesting alchemical concoctions that are drinks the problem is, I don't like alcohol, which severely limits my mixology options. <laughs> um, so There are actually quite good, um, like, quote-unquote, zero-proof uh, yeah. alcohol alternatives that are basically, like, they have the flavor of the base liqueur, and then you can just, like, add the fun flavor stuff on top of it. <laughs> right. Um, but I also get a lot of mileage out of just making interesting coffee concoctions. Uh, and yesterday I made a raspberry syrup. It's just like a simple syrup. And then you like mash up raspberries into it and you let them steep for an hour. You strain out all the pulp stuff. Uh, and then you just end up with a really like flavor dense sugar syrup. Um, and it pairs perfectly with coffee. a, no, you don't want pulpy coffee, unfortunately, <laughs> but it pairs really well with a new kind of just ground coffee I got, which is the only kind of coffee I've ever experienced that has the oh, no. actual undertone it claims to have on the bag. Most coffee is like, oh, hints of like rose and and, and delicate firewood. And it's like, it tastes bitter. It's coffee. <laughs> um, but this coffee has a, like a hazelnut undertone and it actually tastes kind of like hazelnut. It's got that sort of like soft nutty flavor, which pairs really well with chocolate syrup and the raspberry because coffee is by its nature sour and bitter. So if you get a raspberry syrup, which is sweet and sour in its own way, and a chocolate, which is sweet and bitter in its own way, it's sort of like they bridge the gap on both sides of the flavor profile. And of course, the nutty undertone helps with that. And you just end up with a really good raspberry mocha. And like <laughs> raspberry mochas were like the, the thing I lived on uh, when I was interning <laughs> at Threadless a while ago. And I figured there had to be something magical about it. But apparently that's just how it tastes when you add raspberry syrup to a mocha. So I've been going a little power mad. I've had three and a half of them in the last two days. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see what that does to me long term. Yeah. But for now, I'm having a great time. 
Blue, I believe you're more on the tea side of tea things, right? Yeah, Do you have any I'm, I'm preferences? Yeah, I'm much more on the tea side of things. Uh, there were many occasions in which my mom had um, a Starbucks drink of some sort and was like, here, you know, little baby blue, try this. It doesn't <laughs> taste like coffee. And I tried it. And mother, it always tasted like coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah, coffee will do that. Uh, but uh, it is just too strong of a flavor for me. Uh, so I, I, I got into tea later. Um, uh, again, like not not until years after this. But I, I think I, I've said before, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of the Harney and Sons teas because there is an immense variety of flavors and they're all really good. Uh, I really like uh, Dragon Pearl Jasmine uh, for a nice like afternoon kind of tea. Uh, they've got uh, a great Japanese sencha tea that I really enjoy, uh, and then their Paris tea and their uh, Earl Grey uh, Supreme and London Fog black teas are good to actually mix together. So if I make a pot, I'll take like one sachet of uh, Earl Grey Supreme and one sachet of Victorian London Fog, and then they, they blend nicely. So hmm. um, yeah, Earl Grey, like a nice Earl Grey is good, good jasmine. Good sencha, and I like I I could live off of just those three forever if I needed to. Mm. Of course, I I I don't. Uh, Sign and I have a a like two shelf giant tea cabinet uh, with with extra tea sitting on top of the cabinet it's unit. True, I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> it, it. It's quite extra, but there's a there's a lot of good tea. But I, I definitely have some some favorites uh, of, of that bunch. Yeah, I drink black coffee. Um, <laughs> terrifying i'm very tired <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah i've i think the lesson is indigo has a lot of dad traits uh happy father's day everybody <laughs> yeah. um no i like i actually do like I, I don't know if i've taught myself to like black coffee or i actually do but either way if you give me coffee i'm probably not going to put anything in it um occasionally in the summer i will mix it up and get some sort of iced coffee with maybe maybe some like cold foam on it or something but usually just black coffee in all of its varieties uh i think there's like a there's a line from a zero punctuation about that where it's like oh it's great once you get used to it and i've always said the same thing about being boiled alive and that's how i feel about <laughs> black coffee so yeah so well, i now used I'll have to, to do... rewatch 10 years of zero punctuation <laughs> to find out where it's from <laughs> so i used to be on set a lot more and when you're on set at crafty mm. they usually have like the world's worst massive supply of just like coffee and if you learn to drink that black and enjoy it you're fine you're gonna survive God. in the crew world and if you don't like you're not gonna be able to get your fancy drink before you walk on a set in the morning like at most you're adding cream and sugar to something that is already terrible so i just like taught myself to like that and now i have relied on that to get through so many points in my life that the idea like drinking black coffee is just like a comforting i'm like i have made coffee i'll put nothing in it and this is completely fine to me it gives me both <laughs> it doesn't really give me energy because adhd but it does give me yeah. the illusion <laughs> of getting energy and i yeah. i kind of like the taste now um, I was going to say it's taught like, myself to like it. <laughs> that is the one really weird thing about coffee is the way that our our brains work, need a level of stimulant just to get up to normal, which means rather than kicking you over the edge into I can't sleep, it's just like, oh, I'm having mm -hmm. a slightly easier time focusing than usual, which means I've been downing these things at like 9 p.m. and then going <laughs> straight to bed and nothing has been happening. <laughs> so Yeah, that's the struggle. Yeah. Um, it's a superpower no, more they're... like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like I it. I enjoy it. <laughs> I this like is the being Stockholm brew. You won't like it yet. <laughs> yes, oh, I, no. I do. I, drinking co coffee is a comforting ritual, even if the flavor of the beverage is maybe not in question. Um, I find yeah. if I put too I much mean, sugar or like other stuff into my coffee, that that actually does keep me up, though. So I try not mm. to. Like, if I get like a um, like a mocha or something, that is going to keep me up because there's just too much going on in too there. Too much sugar. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
as opposed yeah. to like just the coffee i'm like i'm fine i could drink this all day it's just a beverage on the side i, I, I could do I this, could this all day, all day. yeah <laughs> that's I've my been, um, cap. <laughs> i've been I'm working my way through a uh a like a 24 pack of uh loose leaf samplers because i got mm-hmm. like a new like loose leaf kettle or like teapot uh, but I didn't have any loose leaf tea to put it in, so I obviously had to, you know, just to give a mouse a cookie situation. Um, yeah. And I've just been sort of working my way through it one one sachet at a time. And I got to say, I've liked the ones that I wasn't expecting to like and been very disappointed by the ones I was looking forward to. Because, mm. like, any time they're like, this tea is like cherry marzipan. I'm like, it tastes like grass. And then I'm like, this tea is like raspberry. And I'm like, yep, tastes like raspberry. But any time yeah. they're like, it's something sweet and gentle, I'm like, no, it tastes like tastes like green tea with like a burned sugar undertone if you're lucky so i don't know it's weird um, whenever we record rolling with difficulty i do switch to tea because i can make a big pot of it all at once and danny's voice does require a certain amount of lubrication in order to do without damaging my own voice uh and but that is just like scottish breakfast tea i don't know the brand because uh, you know danny's voice is kind of rough so I, I like to drink something while i do it uh, and it's just like a bunch of Rocks. <laughs> milk and sugar i mix the sugar into the tea leaves when i put it in the pot and then i pour the water over it so the sugar's just mixed into the tea already because we're not mm. fancy in this household we're just trying to get the maximum impact with the least amount of effort and having to move myself from my desk and my setup and i just go through the like Danny two voice- pots of that over the course of recording <laughs> the danny voice is so fun that i have to like not do it myself <laughs> when we're recording just because i really love the vibe <laughs> yeah it's just like, pushing air through your throat and making no attempt to make it sound like human yeah like just being a jerk like you just push so you don't even you're not even using your like vocal cords you're literally just pushing yeah. air through a hole and hoping for it's the best. so easy <laughs> indigo yeah. did you just reinvent the volumnia voice for another campaign <laughs> no 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 volumnia is an old crone so i blue and i played a a, a bridge D session at like a 24 hour oh no my microphone <laughs> just fell down at like We're a 24-hour event once um how did this st- this is my travel mic so it's not as good as does does not the clock you know forget i asked the we'll tolling of the bell <laughs> oh no it's fine oh uh, no it's not the volumnia voice uh it's a different one but it is uh it does sound ratchety in some ways um uh anyway yeah for more of the danny voice check out rolling with difficulty premiering july 1st yeah. which is actually Pretty well, soon season when this two episode's is coming yes. out. Season There's two premieres July 1st. So. There's already yeah. nine episodes season out two if you want to listen. Season two premieres in like two days. <laughs> yeah, I guess we maybe should have plugged it. But anyway, season two is happening soon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on the note, the tolling of the clock that haunts me, um, we should probably wrap this up. So we're ready, ready to take us out. You could do it in the bah. Danny voice if you want. Will that make it better? <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> Uh, as always, uh, we're gonna have more episodes coming out on Friday. That'll be eh, pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> it's hard, right? So, <laughs> no, it's not. That's the problem. I do this all day if I could justify it. <laughs> it's it's like fun. a day at the spa. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned till next time when we talk about whatever wacky fun VidCon adventures have happened between recording and release. Uh, also, tune mm-hmm. in for Rolling with Difficulty, as mentioned. Uh, if you missed it, Ooh. it's available where podcasts are platformed, and also uh, it's on YouTube, so podcasts if you want to check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, good time to catch up, since new episodes will be coming out very soon. Very fun. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Vinyl Toy Updates, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, I guess that's kind of it, so until next time, mm-hmm. I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on July 13th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.